This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Dude, it's just, it's incredible. Hunting is an incredible opportunity for people to connect more with um, their their care about what goes into their bodies for the people that they love. And it couldn't be more misunderstood. And I feel like it's like a goal in my life right now to just breathe life into hunting for for people to just stop the stop misunderstanding it, stop associating it with murdering and start associating it with people that care about where their food comes from and they care about the animals they pursue. Because that's the truth. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the Foul Front. All right, today uh, we've got a very uh, special guest on uh, with AJ Nesty, uh, who is a photographer um and surfer slash turned hunter and uh i guess the principal um unique one unique value uh that he's bringing to the podcast is that he has only eaten game meat um for the last 10 years how you doing aj yeah i'm doing great bro and i appreciate that generous title of surfer um if you watched me surf <laughs> you wouldn't give me that title um but i'll take it man <laughs> awesome i should have said maybe surf photographer right yeah exactly i mean i, I loved i love surfing and um you know whenever i get the chance to get back out in the water i do um i love you know i love longboarding probably because it's a bit easier but uh yeah man i um that's what that's what got me into surf photography is just my love for surfing in the ocean and stuff and uh and well, then you know just documenting my friends awesome got me into surf photography yeah yeah i don't uh i'm not a big ocean guy i'm from nebraska and uh, mm-hmm. the ocean's kind of a terrifying place for me. There's literally there's prehistoric creatures that live in that thing. You know that, right? 
<laughs> you know, we, we live pretty close to the shark attack capital of the world uh, here in Florida. And, um, you know, I think when, once you're, you see a lot of sharks, you kind of tend to, you know, it's almost like when you go into woods and you see rattlesnakes or, you know, water moccasins, uh, you know, those, those, those reptiles, man, they're, they're misunderstood, uh, you know, and sharks are too. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, snakes don't bite and sharks don't attack. I mean, it happens, but mostly it's just mistaken identity or just kind of as far as snakes go, trying to protect it. Sure. Territory, you know? But, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, we definitely have a lot of sharks swimming around, you know, that's for sure. But, <laughs> and sometimes you'll just see what you, you just get this feeling like you don't see anything, you know, but you just put your hands up in the air because you're like, something's underneath me. <laughs> You know, but most of the time it's probably not. You just try to, you know, freak yourself out. But the only thing to calm you down from worrying about sharks is when a set starts coming in. You just start paddling with your buddies, and you forget all about it. Oh man, that kind of makes my my hands a little sweaty just thinking about. Oh, there's something <laughs> nah. underneath me. Um, so okay, you're so you're down in Florida. Yeah. And um, when did you uh, start? You know, your photography career. How how did you get um, in that? Yeah, man. I guess. Uh, you know, for me, that's a bit of a loaded question because uh, my, you know, most most of my closest people in my life know that, you know, my dad is, my dad's a photographer. I mean, he's, he's a pro. He's a real pro. Uh, he knows, he knows settings. He doesn't need digital uh, screens to let him know if the settings are right, you know. Uh, he's just an incredible um, sports photographer. He's, he, he started with Sports Illustrated and uh, Inside Sports, uh, uh, HBO Sports. And, and so he's uh, uh just travel the country while I was growing up and he'd be gone for a week documenting some sport events and then come home and then, then he'd be home for a week. So uh, I was always interested on in my dad's job cause he was around so much and then he was gone and he'd come back with a bunch of cool memorabilia and give us hats and jackets and all this cool stuff he got from <laughs> Super Bowls and stuff. And uh, so like when I was young, man, I used to, I mean, I, I don't even know how old I was, but I used to take my, dad's camera and go in the backyard and, and try to take pictures of birds and stuff like that and, um and then as i started getting older and, and we moved we originally from long island up in new york and a town called deer park and when we moved down from uh, from there down to florida and uh, flag the beach i started surfing more i was 15 years old and um i started not so much borrowing my dad's cameras because he didn't want me to take on the beach so i pretty much stole his cameras <laughs> and uh <laughs> i used to take his gear and you know and he didn't know and go down and take pictures of my buddy surfing and then i would go and take the film and go print the film and then make uh, eight by tens and and basically hawk uh, just sit on the on the beach and show guys when they'd walk by hey here you are right before you fell looks like you're doing a turn and sell them a picture for like 10 to 20 bucks and that was pretty much my first job when i was a little, you know, teenager selling surf pictures to buddies on the beach awesome uh, and so, yeah. I mean, what did that turn into eventually? Um, you know, life, bro, is just full of opportunities. And I, uh, I'm a firm believer that we're, we all have uh, something that's gifted to us. And, and we, when we find it, sometimes people call it a hobby. But when, when we find it, we just, like, stick to it. And uh, um, when I found photography as an, as an outlet, man, I just, I just loved it. Um, Never considered it something I could do professionally because my dad was so good. Um, and uh, my, if you saw my photos back then, <laughs> you probably agree with me. Uh, they weren't they weren't very good. But, uh, you know, I just enjoyed documenting. And, um, and then, you know, I just didn't stop. And once you get an opportunity for something that you're passionate about 
and someone tells you that you're you're good at it and you get excited, you know, just you know, just followed that excitement. And next thing I knew, um, I got hired to uh, be the USA Surf Team staff photographer. Once I didn't know what I was going to do in my life, you know, I just got out of college. I thought I was my whole goal in life is to be a pro baseball player. Uh, <laughs> I that did that didn't happen, you know. Uh, so I'm like, come out of college after playing baseball for so many years of my life. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? But the entire time, I was taking pictures, and um, and then I got this opportunity to. Uh, to go to California and, and did it. I was like, heck yeah, I'll go to California. So went out there and started shooting for the USA surf team and travel the world with them and learned so much being a surf photographer, man. You just learn so much on how to document, uh, how to tell stories, um, just, you know, going to different locations around the world and not knowing how to speak someone's language, but trying to just, uh, let them know that, you know, you're friendly, you know, you're, you're, there to just like, you know, try to give back, try to help them out, you know, whether it's, you know, just whether it's buying something from them or even just showing them photos of themselves that they've never seen a picture of themselves. You know, you're in yeah. pre- pretty remote places where the waves are good. And it's just so much fun, man. You know, so kind of just learning how to interact with people. Um, so I'm surfing. super ignorant um, when it comes to, you know, ocean stuff and surfing. Um, I didn't, when you had, you know, when we were texting back and forth, you said the USA surf team. Um, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself, what does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. what is the USA yeah. surf team? Um, yeah. what, uh, like what all, what is it competitions that they go to? And like, where are you guys tra- Where were they traveling to? And kind of, you know, what parts of the world yeah. did they, what did that take you to? Yeah. So basically it's, um, you know, there's this organization called Surfing America, and what they did is they would uh, they would go out into the country and have all these competitions they would set up, and they they would lead to the goal of gathering the best surfers uh, under 18 that the country can offer, and then um, take them uh, around around the world to to compete against other countries. Um, and every year there would be every, uh, maybe about two different competitions around the year or uh, in the year around the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, we would go and basically it would be Brazil, these kids down there. I mean, if it's, if it's soccer or if it's surfing or if it's MMA, I mean, they will just put their life and dedication into being the best they can. I mean, it's just the pride that they have for their country is incredible. And then you have Australia that, you know, they're, uh, they actually, the government actually funds surfing. So like, they're like, we want you to do this, you know? So Australia is usually the guys that Australia and Brazil, South Africa. Uh, I mean, even countries like France, uh, there's just incredible, incredible uh, talent that's coming out of there. And then you'd go to Hawaii being that they ha- helped originate uh, the sport of surfing. They, although they're, you know, part of the U- United States, they would have their own team and, forget about you want to talk about pride try to go to hawaii and, and surf against their team i mean <laughs> i mean it's incredible man so you see all these kids that are just the best the best the best and um all for the the chance to win gold you know so the thing is is that like up until i think this next olympics i think they're actually gonna allow surfing in um, but they uh it's, it's been, it's, it, they haven't, you know, up until now, because it's kind of hard to predict where the waves are going to be good, sure. when they're going to be good. You know what I mean? And some countries don't even, I, I imagine know, it's have a, oceans. Yeah. It's a little bit like bull riding probably where it, do you get judged off the wave or like, is there any part of that? Cause 
You know, it's, uh, there's, I mean, these judges that judge them are just so technical on so many different things. And, and of course, dude, everyone thinks that they get underscored for certain maneuvers, but basically just, they just want to see, um, you know, they want to see the biggest wave in the, in the set caught. They want to see the, the biggest maneuvers and the waves ridden the longest. So, um, you know, just being, being, being technical, um, you know, and pulling it off is basically what you got to do. So you just, you know, man, it's, it's, it's an incredible world to be, be surrounded in where there's just so much energy and plus you're dealing with the ocean where, you know, it's just, dude, man, I've seen some beautiful places just because of surf photography. I've been so blessed to be a surf photographer. And, um, it got to a point though, where I was living a single man's job, you know, and yeah. just travel. I was out of the country in 2008 more than I was in it. I mean, I'd come home in my, when I would come home, it was more like a layover. Oh, um, so I got, you know, I got to a point where, you know, I'm freshly married. My wife is Megan is just like, oh, man, how much longer are you going to do this for? You know, I'd like to have a family. And then when we uh, became pregnant with our first child, Malachi, um, we were just like, just got to a point where it felt like all signs were pointing for me to leave this awesome life that I wanted for so long. You know, I was like, man, this is, it's just so good. I just love it so much. But I was like, I got to just focus on this family that I'm trying to make. And, um, you know, I, I know there's surf photographers that can do it, man. Uh, it's just a grind. And, uh, um, I was, I was excited to see what God had planned for us as a family more, you know? So I yeah. felt like the only way, the only way for me to fully transition from that was for me to leave California. So I was in San Clemente, which is like, you know, the, the Mecca for surf, uh, surf industry. So I was like, you know, I gotta, I think I got to leave here. Otherwise I'll never stop shooting surfing, you know? Um, <laughs> and I'll keep, I'll keep traveling and I, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do anything else. So that, that ended up, uh, uh, leading to us packing the truck up and, and heading East, man, hopped on I-10 and came back to Florida. And that's, uh, that's where we're still at now, eight years later. Awesome. All right. You know. uh, so then how did you, how did you go from all that to getting into to hunting? Oh man. Um, so, you know, if, if you just want the truth from me, I'll just give that to you. You know, at that, at that point in time in my life, uh, when I was traveling and everything was going great, uh, something was like missing in my heart yeah. and I remember I remember I was like I uh, I called my parents and I was like man I just feel like something's missing I was like I don't know what it is I just can't put my finger on it and uh, my dad's like oh you probably just miss us and I'm like you know I love you guys but no offense I don't I don't miss you at all <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like it's something else I couldn't I couldn't figure it out and, and, and man what ended up happening is I have had a bunch of buddies in my life at that time and still do um that just like dude, they were all just a good bunch of guys that just loved god you know and um and i remember like that none of them were pushing their faith on me they're just loving me there's my buddies my pals and i wasn't i can't say that i was like this atheist this week's episode is brought to you by the following partners hunt hickory creek new to hunt hickory creek this year is their central kansas lodge they're going to be running hunters from the end of October all the way through January, and they're situated right between Kavira and Cheyenne Bottoms, which combined can hold hundreds of thousands of birds at a time. Now, these guys are going to work their tails off. You got Chase, you got Cody, you got Scotty, and then you've even got um, Megan in there taking pictures. Guys, if you're going to be traveling outside of your state um, and you're going to pay for guide service, don't roll the dice. Come into our Facebook group. Pick Chase or Scotty or Cody's you know, brain, figure out who they are, 
and uh, make sure that you're going to be booking a hunt with them because they're not just awesome guides, they're great people. They're going to show you a great time. So if you're going to hunt Kansas, hunt Hickory Creek. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the fastest growing, most affordable decoys on the market with unmatched customer service. And you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or DiveBombIndustries.com, and you can find Asher in our listeners group. And get yourself into a large, effective, affordable, and easy-to-set-up spread. It takes about a minute uh, to set about a dozen, and they take up no space in the garage or truck. They're tough, extremely realistic, and go get yourself twice the decoys, half the price, none of the hassle. Um, also brought to you by Toe Tags LLC. Now, federal migratory game bird laws apply in all 50 states. That includes yours which includes gifting and tagging laws. Make sure to keep your birds separated and or tagged when transporting or storing them uh, with other hunters' birds. Now, this includes from the field to home as well. Gifting in the field, though commonly done, never legal. Uh, It must be done at the donor or donee's personal abode. Hey, for other helpful hints and to keep yourself legal, go check Toe Tags LLC out on Facebook, or you can hit up Ryan um, in our Facebook group, um, or you can head on over to ToeTagsLLC.com. So have fun, be safe, and keep it legal. We're also brought to you by Athlon Optics, which produce some of the finest shooting scopes and binoculars on the market. Their ED glasses top-notch and rivals the glass of binos three or four times their price. You're going to be able to pick a goose out in a depression from half a mile with these things. I'm telling you, they're tough, sturdy, and this is where Athlon Optics goes above and beyond with their lifetime warranty, which is critical for us waterfowl hunters. I sport the Midas 10x42, and I am extremely pleased with them. So head on over to Athlon Optics and get yourself a top-of-the-line binocular system for this season at a fraction of the price and a no-worries warranty. A no worries warranty. We're also brought to you by Freelance Hunt Stats. And i got to tell you, I'm really excited to be using Freelance Hunt Stats this year. Um, if you've never logged your hunts in the past, start doing it. Um, especially with FreelanceHuntStats.com because it's not just a journal. This thing can catalog all of your information and you can go back, you can look at like how you do on sunny days. It's going to be a game changer for you. So head on over to FreelanceHuntStats.com and start logging your hunts this season. We're also brought to you by Duck Nuts. And now I've been fighting duck um, decoy rigging systems since I started. Wrapping, coiling, Texas rigs, talk about a pain in the butt. Now, I work hard, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the morning, it's time to go home, and Duck Nuts allows me to do that so that I can rig my decoys that all i got to do is throw them in a bag. And with our friction system, it's too easy to just pull the line and pack it up and or just throw them out. It, it allows you to adjust for depth, and if you're tired of fighting your decoy rigs, head on over to DuckNuts.com and use your 10% off code with Foul Front um, discount code. We're also brought to you by Gypsum Creek. Now, Gypsum Creek is a full-service gun dog training facility in the heart of the Midwest, and they are looking to build eager, confident, and reliable field companions through a unique approach that you don't find at many other places. So come check out Gypsum Creek Retrievers on their Facebook um, or Instagram, or you can hit up Evan, the owner, in our Facebook group. And I promise you, this guy loves your dog more than you do and loves teaching them how to retrieve more than you do. Um, I got to spend a uh, weekend out with them, and it was an awesome time, I'm telling you. Um, the What they got going on over there, that's where you're going to want to send your dog. All right, we're also brought to you by the Duck Tech mobile app. Um, increase your odds of success in the blind this year with the Duck Tech mobile app. Three-time world ch- duck calling champion Barney Caleb teaches you how to make the most important duck sounds and what they mean to a duck and when to use them, the most important part. Duck Tech is also available to download on the App Store and Google Play. With the season approaching, get the app today so you can put more ducks on the strap tomorrow. We're also brought to you by SRB Field Rests. No matter what, where, or how you hunt, SRB, SRB Field Rests 
got you covered. Uh, they're going to keep your shotgun, rifle, or your bow, or your crossbow safe, clean, and ready for the, uh, in the field or on the range. Waterfowl hunters in a dry field, a muddy field, marshes, flooded fields, or flooded timber. SRB Field Rests has you covered. Go check them out. They've got a 10% discount code for you with Fowl Front, all under case, one word. We are also brought to you by Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate and five-star crash-tested rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy stuff to show you how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, and tossing it off a 200-foot cliff and shooting it with a 12-gauge shotgun with zero bullet penetration. You're hitting the road uh, with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Uh, protecting your best friend and your investment. So head on over to GunnerKennels.com. We're also brought to you by HTR Innovations. And you have not heard of them yet, but um, I am hunting out of their A-frame this year. And they have one of the slickest um, inventions I've seen. Um for waterfowl hunting it's an awesome little gun stand for the marsh um and go, so go check them out at htrinnovations.com also here's another big thing for you do you absolutely hate laying in your layout blind well they got something for you so go check them out um and our good buddy jordan over there he's gonna be doing all the filming this year looking forward to seeing what they got okay let's get back into this week's episode was more on that side of the you know of the, of the field than on uh of the leaving side and um i ended up uh accepting christ in my life like one day in my bedroom just by myself you know and um i was like you know i'll get you know i'll give you a chance see what happens here you know and i didn't realize how much would happen to me and how much would change quickly so it just it what ended what ended up happening is like after after that initial like okay wow I'm I'm this I'm a Christian now kind of question mark you know um, <laughs> so I was like I was doing a gig at, I was in California I was doing this doing this job and I was driving and um, I heard a voice in my head for the first time like people talk about like God talking to you you know and you're like oh what is that you know what is that mean but then when you when you hear something that you know you're just like wow that was not me and. I heard a voice ask me, where does your food come from? Uh, and it was, a, it was a question that I could still hear it today. And my answer was out loud. I don't know. Um, and then I um, you know, I got back home and I started talking to my wife, Megan. And I was like, man, I had the weirdest thing happen to me and kind of shared it with her. And I started researching, well, where does my food come from? You know, and, Right. And uh, so that led to me finding some things out that I didn't particularly like. Um, I think there's a, you know, a lot of bad uh, stigma on on farming and stuff. I don't think that there's anything wrong with farming, man. I don't, you know, it's just when you're when they're producing the numbers that they're producing, um, it's it takes it takes the care out of out of the uh, the individual animal and puts it more on the numbers. And I, what I started realizing is, man, the, the amount of of numbers that are trying to pump out, it just decreases the care. Um, and I was like, man, I love animals. It's like a weird thing to start thinking about. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I got to a point, man, I was just like, I pulled the plug. I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna, um, 
I'm not going to eat store-bought meat anymore. And um, for me, you know, it, it, everything was a focus on, on meat because I was just a complete carnivore. And so I, um, I told my, my wife, I'm like, you know, you should probably look into this too. And she was like, oh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't want to know any of that. I was like, ah, and then she ended up doing it and we both agreed. We're like, well, let's be vegetarian. So what year was this? This was, where are we? Um, it's been, this was about almost 11 years ago. Okay. So I, um, I went, or we both went about six months vegetarian and things started just kind of, uh, not feeling right, uh, mentally, mostly, you're just like, Oh my goodness. You know, we couldn't sure. stop craving meat. And like, we we're both talking about it, you know, like, wow, we have to, maybe we'll go find some like, uh, soy products that, you know, you get these soy sausages or so, tofu, turkey, and all this other stuff. And I, you know, we gave it a try and, um, did it just tasted horrible to me? I was like, Oh, it tastes just like meat. I'm like, I don't know if I, I was like, no, this is horrible. Right. So, um, I couldn't do any of that. And, I was uh, walking down the aisle in the meat aisle in the grocery store. I think it was like Ralph's in San Clemente, California or something like that. And I just remember seeing like meat in the, um, in this, uh, in the window display <laughs> in the meat section. And it, the weirdest thought came to me. I saw like this, you know, this red meat with like the, you know, kind of the blood on it and everything. And dude, I started salivating so much. I wanted to slam my head through that case and eat that meat. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, and now I'm at like, I'm about, I think it's month eight. Um, and I came back, came back home and I said, Megan, I can't do this anymore. She's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And, um, I just, uh, I was like, I think that maybe the only option would be for me to go get it myself. And she's like, I'm like, where? And I'm, I was like, maybe, you know, go hunting. She's like, are, are you sure? And like, I'm like, she's like, have you hunted before? And I'm like, I kind of did when I was younger. And I was like, I tell, I could tell my dad to ship out my guns that I got at home and see if what I can do. And it ended up you know, I ended up getting my guns and a buddy that was a, a friend of mine that was a Marine at Camp Pendleton. He uh, ended up going with me duck hunting and pheasant hunting. And we used to just, I mean, overshoot ducks, you know, just like coming home with these birds, these poor birds that were just devastated by BBs and hardly getting any meat out of it. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. Just <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was a crap show in the beginning. And, um, and I felt bad for my wife, you know, she thought that I was going to be coming home with all this amazing meat. And I, just, <laughs> I slapped this, this little chucker on the table and she's like, that's it. <laughs> oh man. Oh. So yeah, man, it was, it was humble beginnings for sure. Um, but you know, then I just stuck with it. Um, and, uh, and then down, then that, that end of that year, we ended up driving across the country, uh, or a couple of years was it? A couple years later, yeah, it was a couple of years later, we ended up driving across the country and um, moved to Florida. And I, I went to high school here in Flagler, uh, Flagler County, and we're right above Daytona Beach, right below St. Augustine. And um, I never realized, you know, I drive down the same roads all the time. And, you know, of course, it'd be like woods and stuff, but you never, you never just look at it. You know, you just drive past it. And I started looking at woods differently at that point. And I was like, man, there's got to be game in there. And I would just go a hundred yards off the road and I was just immersed. I was like, you've got to be kidding. There's so much here to, to try to harvest. And yeah, that was the game changer coming back to Florida, realizing uh, the resources we have here. And then, um, 
you know, linking up with some good old uh, Florida country boys that oh, yeah. helped, <laughs> helped guide me and laugh at me and just, you know, make fun of me when I was just doing, I mean, I'd go out, <laughs> I'd go hunting with two guns. Like I'd have a rifle in case I saw a buck or a hog and I'd have a shotgun just in case I saw a turkey. And they're, they're like, what the freak, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'd be walking around in duck waders and making a ton of noise. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, man. <laughs> that's awesome so, yeah yeah i learned a lot through embarrassment <laughs> as that the best lessons are learned by your buddies laughing at you so exactly that happened <laughs> so yeah i just hear that you know you're talking about two guns and like i just you're hunting with your stomach at that you know what i mean that point like mm-hmm. that's it's such an interesting genesis um for <clears throat> a hunter's uh development a lot of times you know it starts off as something different and, you know, you go through one of those stages where now it's about the meat, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. you know, one of your obsessions is, um, you know, preparing that meat and all that stuff. But it's a very interesting take that that's literally the genesis of it for you. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's, it all it all boils down. I mean, the reason why here we are, ten, this is our 10th year of not buying, not eating any store-bought meat. It's only what, what we harvest or my friends harvest. And... Um, you know, just uh, I think it all boils down to uh, animal welfare for us. You know, there's a lot of people that do go hunting because they, you know, they want they talk about clean meat and stuff. And I totally agree with it. Actually, I love that fact of it. Um, but for me, dude, I'm, dude, I'm a sensitive dude. I mean, any, any of my good friends will let you know, man, I, I'm, I'm ultimately a big softy. And, you know, it's just like I truly care about these animals. And um, I, I guarantee you that I care more about deer than anyone that's on PETA. You know, like, I mean, I just oh, yeah. absolutely adore these things, you know. And, uh, and it's hard for people to understand when I, you know, they see pictures of me and the kids just so stoked on a, on a buck, you know. It's just like, what? You know, but... Um, you know, for us, it just means more, man. It's like my kids are connected to, to, to the outdoors. They just, they know uh, exactly where the food comes from and they, and they're, they love that. Yeah. Um, you know, and they get a little confused, you know, as they, you know, they, we get the questions all the time, like, daddy, can I have a hot dog? You know? And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird part of life when, you know, you're like, you're finding something that works for you, but then you have these beautiful little lives that you, that you've helped create, you know? And then, yeah. You want you want to guide them the right way, but you also don't want to like force anything on them. And dude, trying to figure that out as a parent is a whole nother podcast on its own. But it's sure. like you know, I usually let them. I just say, look, if you want to know where that comes from, I'll let you know. But if you want it, you can have it. You know, like I don't want I don't want to like force you know my ways on my kids. You know, and um, I just want them to you know if they see if respect dad and mom for doing that, and if they and, and our friends, and if they want to, then join up with us and they can you know and um so does does your kid get the hot dog then um you know it's kind of interesting uh question because my my daughter malachi she's just so smart um and she usually will just say you know she'll want to know more about it from uh from her friends parents even like where'd you get that you know um she, she she's starting to understand why we do it so she's actually wants the wild game more than anything. I, I, I'm not with them all the time, so I can't say that they haven't. But usually, you know, I, they always want wild game, you know. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to stop them from experimenting with that stuff. You know, it's like, hey, you want a hot dog or hamburger? I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, go for it. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something that I try to restrict on them. 
it's just something that I know that in my life right now, God's put on my heart to just say, this is what I'm doing. Um, and through that, man, I've seen so much fruit in that with my kids, just, you know, wanting to go hunting with me, wanting to see the process of it all, you know, like not right. freaked out, you know, like, I mean, we do it all, you know, I take it and, you know, my poor neighbors, you know, I was just like hanging hogs in the front yard, and, you know, it's gotten, you know, and skinning things out and, and, you know, they're, they're just like, oh, you got another one. That's great. You know, and they probably think we're just nuts, you know, but the kids love right. it, you know, and they love being a part of it. And, uh, and at this point, man, there's, we've pretty much filled every single gap, uh, for the, the meat that we'd want outside of bacon i mean holy cow did you smell bacon cooking there's uh-huh. something that happens to you so you know for us we we don't get that much bacon i've been able to get a couple big hogs where they'll have enough they're they're happy enough where they are yeah uh, near some big oaks and you know, they'll be eating a bunch of acorns and um you can you can get some bacon but for the most part uh you don't so that's that's one that we haven't completely figured out yet sure <laughs> but you know for the you know you're hunting these hogs outdoors and dude they're track stars they're not sitting in the pen eating a bunch of food they're running non-stop yeah, oh yeah yeah so but uh yeah so yeah i mean that's just kind of where we're at and so it's just all about the animals and uh, just making sure that they're they're happy and 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 that's kind of a weird thing to think about when you're out there trying to kill them at the same time right it's a very dichotomous thing about you know hunters um being such a compassionate group of people, weren't a lot of people think, and and there definitely are the stereotypes, uh, stereotypical hunters, but more often than not, yeah, these hunters care a lot more um, about the the game and the, the animals that they're harvesting than I mean the the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference, um, at least in my in my eyes. Um, I think I want to talk a little bit more about kind of what you'd found about, you know, um, factory farming. It's, you know, that I, I have a little bit of an issue um, with it as well. I'm not nearly a lot far as long um, my path um, to decreasing my footprint um, or my, res, you know, responsibility as, as you are, obviously. Um, I'm still, I still grab a burger from McDonald's. I still, you know buy, um, meat at the grocery store, but, um, we do try to make, uh, a good push to eat as much game as we can. My wife, she's trying to adjust to it. Um, but, uh, you know, let's, yeah, man, I, I, you know, I, I could definitely tell you where I've gotten the most motivation from, uh, as far as the opposite side, where I don't like, um, right. It, it, I just, uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the antibiotics used. Um, so it, it kind of just brought a question in my mind. Like, I mean, you're talking about, and oh, I think it's something like, I mean, someone hopefully listening can fact check this, but I think it's somewhere around like 80 to 90% of the world's antibiotics are produced for farmed animals. I did not know that. You know, so why is that happening? Right? Like, why do they need this much antibiotics? And that question like just kept resonating with me. And that, that that's what made me look into like, like I said, man, I'm a, I'm I'm a little different when it comes to it all because I just I care about animals so much. So I'm like, right. what's why are they so sick? Why or why are they preventing them from becoming sick? You know, because I'm sure they're just stabbing them, whether they've checked them to be. <laughs> I don't mean stabbing them, like giving them an you know an injection, whether they you know know that they need it or not. They're probably just trying to prevent. Um, so when you start looking at their welfare as far as like how they're raised uh, to produce the amount of numbers that's needed to 
fulfill every need from any bodega in California to uh, every deli in New York. I mean, it's just, you know, you think about how many places, 7-Elevens or anything you go into, there's just, there's meat there. Right. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible how much, and you're talking about something that has a shelf life, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, dude, it's gotta be constant. It's nonstop right now. It's nonstop. There's a, there's just nonstop. While we're talking, we already talked for 20 minutes or so. Think about how many animals had it been not only slaughtered, but also, you know, the stages of it, how quickly they have to be pushed out in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, it's staggering, bro. And probably so just, even yeah. worse than that is, um, you know, how much of it goes to waste? You know, what what's our efficiency percentage? You yeah, know? That's, that's a great question. Uh, so I, I um, yeah, man, that, that's the antibiotic thing definitely stirred me. And, uh, you know, that's something that I just, uh, I don't particularly like about factory farms. So now, you know, I mean, it, I do also want to say, man, like in Florida, we had, I don't think people realize how much farmland we have here. And if you ever come to Florida and you drive around, a lot of people go to, you know, Mickey Mouse town and you drive into Orlando. Most of the, when you're driving to these locations, you'll see a lot of land. And in that land, there's cattle just roaming around. We have incredible amount of uh, farmland for, for cows and cattle here. And I know these farmers personally, uh, some of them, and especially in our county. And dude, you won't meet people that care more about their product more than like a farmer. So I think it's, you know, it's just, you know, when you're talking about a a family or even like a small community that's gathered together for farming, you cannot beat it, man. It's people that's, you can find that and you can find, you can actually uh, probably go up to these farmers and go to their, go to their homes and say, Hey, I'd like to buy one of these steer from you uh, next time you get slaughtered. And for like 1500 bucks, you can get a steer and you're going to have enough food for your family for over a year. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to need a big dang freezer, uh, you know, a big, <laughs> a nice, uh, you know, an empty upright, but I mean, you you know, it's like, you you'll have enough beautiful meat. That's just been, you know, perfectly, um, taken care of. Uh, so, so yeah, man, I, there's a lot of opportunities out there, a lot more than people think to just, you know, be able to connect with local farmers. Um, cause they're, they're hardworking people. And, you know, they deserve to be respected. Yeah. And I, you know, I completely agree. And a lot of people um, on one side of the fence look at, you know, ranchers and farmers um, and they think, oh, they're, they just make their money off of, um, you know, basically blood and killing and (laughs) killing these animals. It's blood money for them. And they've never seen um, uh, a rancher staying up till 4 a.m. or all night, uh, trying to keep a calf warmed up. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, of course it's money to them, but there's a deep connection there with, um, the short amount of time that they know that that animal has on the earth that they'd, they'd you know, prefer it not be, um, a bad one. For, what for I would sure, recommend so. for, for anyone listening, and this is one biggest recommendation is like, if you eat meat and you're not a hunter, you know, go, and see if there's a local family mom and pop butcher shop nearby, you know, cause the thing is, is that if there's a, a mom and pop butcher shop that is in your community or even golly, it's even worth it like an hour away, find it because that butcher will have a direct connection with the local farmers and will be getting the best quality meat. Uh, uh, you know, and I know that some of places like here in Florida, we have Publix, man, they do a good job. Um, 
you know, they got, they got, they got some good meats and good, good seafood and stuff that they bring in. Uh, and, but you know, the thing is, is like when you go to one of those mom and pop shops, man, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, they're, a, they're almost like a farmer without the farm, you know, like they, yeah, they yeah. want to make sure that they have the best meats for their customers, you know? So I, I would recommend that here, here in Florida, we're, we're blessed to have a good, a good amount of those uh, locally for people here. So I just, you know, I know, you know, the bigger the city, you just, you, know, you never know. But. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I guess let's get into a little bit. So the transition, um, from going, you know, vegetarian to, you know, putting, you know, game meat on the table, you know, you said you started off with, uh, what ducks and upland bird, um, throughout all that, you know, what are some of the hardest lessons you've learned or what's the hardest part? Like, you know, we, we've talked about the, the why you do it and all that stuff, but what are the hurdles? Um, I think that one of the misconceptions for hunters, because uh, I obviously know a lot of them, is that they're, um, you know, we could thank Disney a lot for this. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, they're heartless, you know. Um, you know, they're they're the guys in, in uh, Crocodile Dundee shooting the kangaroos and drinking and, you know, spotlights and, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, uh, Elmer Fudds and, you know, just, the the guys that go out and, sh- you know, shooting Bambi's mom or wherever, you know, just like, you know, just these heartless murderers. Yeah. Um, dude, it couldn't be further from the truth. I think that a lot, a lot of, uh, what, a, a lot of the hunters that I know that we talk about sometimes is, uh, um, the, the way that you feel, you know what I mean? Like the feelings mm-hmm. that you get. Uh, it's, it's, you know, in the beginning stages, it's, it's like, wow, I just took this thing to life. You know, you're sitting there and you're just like, oh my goodness, you know, and then how do you, how, you know, it's an emotional process, right? And a lot of times people you know, get, get a lot of energy, they get like, a, you know, uh, you get fired up and, you know, and you, you'll watch things where people are like, ah, oh, you know, what is it saying? They shot him in the pump house and, you know, yeah. smoke, smoked him and all this stuff, you know, but it's just like people don't understand the amount of energy that, that happens from that moment where you get just so pumped up and then you have so, it's so much adrenaline, but then all of a sudden you have this come down, you know, yes. like, whoa. And then you have this moment of just like, you want to kneel next to this thing and just like, look at it and just like, you just can't help but say, what a beautiful animal. Um, you know, and, uh, and then I, I personally believe that what I found is that the, my, the best way for me to, uh, take any of those feelings that might be like, are we close to a remorse yeah. or going, man, you know, dang it, man, like maybe I shouldn't have shot that, you know, like, you know, that happens, um, yeah. to, to some of the, you know, the toughest hunters I know, they'll, they'll admit that. Uh, and uh, but the thing, the way that I, I've realized is, is like the way to respect that animal more than letting it walk away. Um, because dude, there are constant things trying to attack those things. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything that's delicious outdoors, believe me, other things know it and they're trying to rip it to friggin' shreds. Um, you know, they just, they want to eat that thing too. Uh, and, uh, you know, so me taking something with a, uh, hard lung shot with narrow or, you know, a, uh, you know, a bullet is way, way better than what could have happened to them. Um, and because at some point they're either going to wither away and, and die a slow death and possibly eaten by coyotes or, uh, attacked by, you know, something bigger or hit by a car. So there's just so many things that can happen to these animals. So what I got, what I've realized is like when I harvest something, the way that I can fully respect this thing 
is to take it and with care process it and then cook it with love for my family and my friends. And so for me, the best way and, and epitome of respect for an animal that, that we've taken is to cook it properly. Yeah. And that's, I, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about the remorse and, um, it's, it's a hard thing to explain to, um, you know, non hunters or, um, you know, anti hunters. And I, I completely, um, agree with your ideology of honoring the, the animal through, you know, not only just the harvest, but the, the respectful harvest, but then fully utilizing it. Um, and, uh, I think in the beginning stages, um, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of learning curves that happens. You, you think that you can just, uh, cut this deer up or cut this duck up and just throw it on the grill and you're going to instantly like it or love it. And some people really do. Um, but, uh, I think, and I, and I've, I've observed it, um, where I take new guys out and, um, you know, I, we clean the meat and we breast out the birds and you know, I tell them to do this and then they say, Hey, I, you know, I didn't really like that duck. Um, and it's like, yeah, I, I understand. And then the next time we go out, um, they're like, Hey, do you want the, do you want to just keep the meat? And it's like, no, man, you got to go prepare this the right way. Like, you know, listen to my, like, let me show you how, um, <laughs> to do it. And does, uh, you know, the game flavor that everybody talks about, cause we're all used to these, you know, high fat, um, you know, meats and, you know, these factory farm things that are produced for taste and all the salt. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you guys, uh, you know, jump that hurdle and, or, or do you still jump it every now and then, or, you know, tell me about your process and the preparation and cooking. Dude, I mean, I grew up in a household, like we're, where my father's, um, Italian, my mother is from England and these two cultures have two, uh, opposite ways of cooking, but so much passion in their, in their plates and what they produce and stuff. Uh, and I, you know, just learned from these women in my family, from my grandparents, my grandmothers and my mother, the amount of love that they put into cooking. I mean, it's, it always just enamored me when I was younger. I used to sit, I used to always sit at the table and watch them cook, you know, and man, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And as I got older and I, you know, when I went to college, I used to cook for all my buddies, you know, do big steak meals and stuff. So I was always like cooking. I, I loved it. Um, it was a, a form of expression for me. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we got into wild game, it's like, all right, let's try to figure this out. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. I understand the term when people say gamey. I get it. Um, I just, I don't, I don't completely agree with it. I almost feel like it's a word that people just learn to say. Right. Uh, I, I, I understand it though, because most of the time people, um, like you had mentioned, uh, they'll, they'll cook things too much because there's no fat. I mean, you can, you can make a lot of mistakes when you cook in a big marble steak. I mean, you can walk away a little bit. Oh God, it's a little burnt. You, can, you know, it's like, Oh, the fat's just burnt. You know, you can kind of scrape a little bit off, you know, and right. flip it around a couple more times and call it seared. And, and, you know, you just, you know, you get, you get away with a lot, a lot more stuff with, um, with different, even store-bought pork and, and, uh, and all, and, and chicken, of course. But, you know, when you, when you handle, uh, venison, I mean, you, you're looking at a, just a high quality meat, um, I have a lot, I have a lot of like nails on a chalkboard for me when, it, when it, at this point of the game, when it comes to people and how they cook their wild game, mm-hmm. um, I'm not a, I just, and, and it's not because I don't, 
uh, eat bacon anymore, but it's just like, I just, I just feel like there's so much flavor in bacon. Uh, and it's, it's bacon on its own. It's just, it's a freaking meat candy. I mean, it's just, you know, it's amazing uh, flavor that can come out of bacon, but it's like, stop wrapping your game in bacon. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta start cherishing the flavor of this meat because I mean, people will take a, a whole deer and they'll burger it or they're, they'll sausage it or they're summer sausage it. Um, and I'm just like, no, please stop. Um, you know, I mean, just venison when it's cooked properly, holy cow. Um, you're talking about incredible meat. Uh, you know, uh, wild hog is probably the most misunderstood meat in Florida. Is uh, You know, I can't speak for every state, but here, um, you know, it's, it's gotten like the worst stigma, man. It's like, it's a, it's an evil little pest that's, you know, just overpopulated and has to be just mowed down and, you know, shoot it in the gut and let it walk away and just die in the woods, you know, type of thing. Um, you're talking about, so, you know, when, when uh, St. Augustine was established, you know, it's, it's the oldest uh, city in America here in Florida, you know, so when they, when they established St. Augustine, they, they had brought over their prized uh, food from Spain, which is the Hamoni Perico, the, you know, the, the black hoofed hog. So they brought this hog over, you know, and, and it's, it's the, the best meat that they had there. And then it got, it got, when feral, it, it escaped. So that's why we have wild hogs here in Florida is from that. So when you see a black hog, um, you know, it, in Florida, it's it's a direct descendant from you know when DeSoto came here, um, and these hogs got released by accident. Um, and hogs are incredible, incredible creatures that, of, of survival. They will wherever wherever they are, they'll figure out a way to survive. They'll eat whatever they can, whatever they have to, to keep going. Um, and that will lead to in some locations bad meat. I mean, right. you, know, you have to, whatever, if an animal doesn't have a good diet, it's not going to produce good meat. So, uh, but the interesting thing about the Hamon Iberico in Spain is what they do is they, the farmers allow their, their hogs to, uh, to roam around in hundreds of acres that's penned in, but they have them penned in areas that are, have giant oak hammocks where they're dropping acorns and then they have mushrooms and uh, grubs and stuff that that they that they forage for they supplement feed them but they also allow them to forage right and they say right. the acorns the wild acorns produces the best quality meat that that they, it can have so what happened is they brought these hogs here and man did the, the southeast we're just we're littered with oak trees i mean the acorns are falling right now you can't get an animal to come to your corn feeder right now They're, everything's eating acorns so you know, it's uh, these hogs are just foraging for these acorns. They're producing the best quality meat you could possibly imagine. The last thing you want to do is let one of these things get away from you. Don't ever, you know. Trust me. You cook these. You cook it properly. It's it tastes probably nothing much like pork. It tastes more like a, you know, and and it's it's hard for me because it's I'm ten years down the road, but more of like a roast beef. Right. When cooked right, uh, the flavor quality from it is just incredible. Um. So we're just. I know that there's a, there's a, a hog problem, but I'm telling you, man, for us, it's a meat, it's, it's a, it's a meat solution. Uh, we're allowed yeah. to shoot, uh, we, we can shoot hogs here in Florida with, I mean, talk about an introduction to people to, to hunting. I get so many people, obviously, as you'd imagine that want to go hunting, right? They're like, Oh, I want to go hunting with you. I'm like, okay, come on, let's go. They're like, Oh, it's, it's not hunting season. though. No. I'm like, yeah, it is for hogs year, year round, uh, no bag limit, any means you can take them. I mean, so, I mean, you're taking a kid out that has a 22 Magnum 
and going for an earshot or you're taking someone that is from another state that just, you know, that loves bow hunting. It's only hunt, hunted whitetail. You could take them bow hunting at any time of year. Yeah. Um, and even, and even shooting them at night. And then and it's just what, what an opportunity, man. And uh, the meat quality is just tremendous. Yeah. I think so. there's a, that's a huge, um, opportunity yeah. for, you know, both the, the food problem that we're going to be having here in the next 40, 50 years and the, you know, the environmental problem that we're going to be having in the next yeah. 40, 50 years. And, and look, man, I understand why they're demonized. Like, because I mean, they, they do blow up people's properties i mean you got to see when the acorns start falling here and you get into these fancy neighborhoods with these mansions on it and they're like oh let's build a house by these gorgeous oak trees yeah well guess what when those acorns start falling those hogs are coming out of the woods behind your house and then all that all that nice sod (laughs) you know it's gone the farmers i mean you know they don't like them because they just blow up the properties the people that the equestrian people don't like them because the horses can you know break a leg and in the you know and all the rooting so i mean there's all reasons why people should not like them and i totally get that and that's why i love when i get the calls when they go hey uh, we got a hog problem uh, be, be, right, be right there yep that's a great opportunity so yeah so where all uh you know where have y'all been around the country uh hunting i know that you know the mm-hmm. you and me got linked up uh through chase white um mm-hmm. and you know how did how did you come to meet chase and and what are all these you know where all have yeah. you been um you know as far as locations limited uh this is the first the last two years that um i've been traveling because i mean dude i got i got three kids i got a wife i don't you know i value my time with them so much um i just I'm, I'm needed in this house you know so i have a good buddy of mine that uh this guy my friend rob he's uh, rob snow he's an incredible photographer and he's been traveling a lot lately, and he's just saying, man, I got to get it in before I get kids, because <laughs> he's just, you know, going out hunting, documenting, and he knows, he knows when those kids come, you know, man, kids are anchors, bro. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get, you get one anchor, you can kind of still, you know, go do your thing, but you got three anchors on you, forget about it, you're, you're, you're docked. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, so I've gotten to a point where if I do go uh, on a travel, I go, or, or, you know, go hunting somewhere, it's probably only for, you know, five days. Uh, you know, it's like I try getting there three days of hunting, coming back or so, you know, so, um, you know, cause it, it just, you know, being, being a, a, a husband and a dad, dude, you're needed in your home, you know? So, um, I just, um, I've been hunting a lot in Florida. Uh, it's, is when you come here and I, when I talk to you into visiting me, you're going to see why. Uh, but, um, the, the opportunities that come from all these good people around the country that, that have been. Uh, blessing me with invites, man. Right, uh, and I and I can't say enough about Chase and Megan. I'm, I um, I met Megan through uh, Instagram because uh, we, me, me and my friends, have started a, a hunitarian, you know, a way of just kind of displaying what we do, documenting others uh, outdoors, and kind of just sharing what it means to be a hunter for us. And I was like, you know, I was like, man, I'd love to find like a girl that's out there and try to get her connected with us, you know, and, and see if she'd be interested in being in this beginning stage of Hunitarian with us. And, and it's like, Instagram's funny like that, man. Like if you go, if you on that, hit that search button and you start like, just, you know, you see one thing and you're like, Oh, well, tuna fishing, you click on tuna fishing and you yeah. click off and you see, and they click another one. But time you go back the next day, 
you're just seeing nothing but people catching tuna fish, you know? Um, so <laughs> right. what, I, what I did, I was like, I started, I was like, oh, okay, let me click on this girl. And then she's, you know, holding the fish with bikini on. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, click off that and could see another one. You're like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, another attractive woman, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, there's a lot of followers in her. And then you start seeing like these girls that are doing right. Um, you know, and you're like, wow, like that, uh, what's that girl in, uh, Hannah, um, which you in Alabama somewhere but then she's a incredible you know hunter and just providing to the family the right way and i started just trying to weed out you know like who who are these ethical female hunters how can i find them and then i saw this photo that was taken i was like man that's a pro shot you know that's that's a seriously good photo i clicked on it and i uh, saw the um you know the uh, credit you know megan lupian and i was like wow who's this girl I clicked on her and um you know and, and this and it, it's kind of interesting, you know, like how we, sometimes people are so talented, but they don't have like the, the 12,000, 55,000 followers. Right. Um, you know, and, and nothing against, you know, of, of course, Megan's incredible at so many things, but she was just, she was just showing these great moments that was nothing like uh, overly provocative, of course, you know? So, you know, she's just getting these, all these just hunters that just respect her for, for her imagery. And I ended up becoming one of them. I was like, wow, this girl's incredible. So I contacted her. Um, and then uh, her and Chase gave me the invite to come out to Kansas last year. And it was interesting because I I was actually not convinced about duck meat, to be quite honest, man. Like um, hmm. when I when I first started hunting, when I was very young, my dad uh, was like five years old in New York. And he was he was a duck hunter. And I never could remember ever liking the meat ever. Right. And um, and. I remember like the stories of my dad just cooking like Thanksgiving dinner with a, with a goose and my mom just ruining Thanksgiving. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, just the smell like permeating and everyone was off it. You know, so like all these weird things stuck in my head though. I was like, you know, I just, you know, in California, I couldn't cook it that good. I was like, their meat is just isn't good. So I, um, when I, I told him, I was like, you know, I would like to come up there and duck hunt with you guys because I actually don't think it, the meat's very good. And I want to see if, if it is because I was getting a little better at, at cooking while game at this point. Uh, and so last year I went up there, with my buddy Chris Herrera, and um, and we just we had an amazing time with them. And uh, Kansas is what such a, an amazing place to go go bird, bird hunting. Yeah, I mean, just well, man, just so so much fun, and the camaraderie you have in a blind. The way you're, it's such an opposite way of, of hunting. Cause I mean, when you go deer hunting or hog hunting or turkey hunting, you're not talking, you know, you're hardly moving. Uh, but when you're duck hunting, man, you can just laugh, make fun of your buddies from missing. And then every 10 minutes, there's another wave of geese or ducks coming, you, you know, you get an opportunity again. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, so much fun. So I was like, you know what? There's, I'm not saying at all that duck hunting isn't fun. I can't find a way to hunt that's actually more fun. Uh, it's, you know, so, but the thing is, 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 does the meat quality match how much fun it is shooting these things? Um, because if I truly care about these ducks, I shouldn't be just whacking them if they're, if I'm not, you know, you know, eating them and enjoying it. So there was, it was a big test for me, man. And my buddy, Chris, man, he is, he, he's an amazing, amazing cook. So he was just like, look, man, because what you got to do is you just got to take these things and you got to sear it and then you got to slice it thin and just do not overcook it. He's like, you overcook it you're going to start tasting that, that liver, you know, that liver flavor. Right. And, um, he's like, these things don't stop. Don't, they don't stop flying. I mean, they're beating those little wings nonstop. So it produces a very red meat with a lot of iron in it. Um, 
so we get we get the uh, you know get these ducks and take it. My buddy Chris he takes olive oil, rubs it on the, on one of the breasts, just does a salt and pepper, and sears it on the iron skillet. Uh, two minutes on one side, flips it, does one minute on the other, lets it rest for a minute, and then sliced it. And I'm not kidding you, man. I don't know if I've had anything better really? than that. Yeah, I was so floored by it. So then I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, dude. So then Chase and um, his buddy Scotty and Megan were all there. And they're just like, well, let's just try it. They try it. And they just look at each other and like, seriously, we're not, we're never making freaking poppers again. Right. Um, you know, it's just like, this is all we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we went after that, we went out to uh, Missouri and uh, Tennessee and we hunted with some, some good boys out there and they had a freezer full of duck meat that they had just been shooting and just putting, you know, brushing them out and put them in the bags. And they're like, Oh yeah, we don't, we don't like eating it. Maybe we'll do some poppers. But we started cooking it for them and they're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like we've been cooking this the wrong way the whole time. So, you know, it's, we're at a point where, my wife very rarely asks me, when are you going on a hunting trip? And she just asked me, she's like, when are you going back to Kansas to get more duck meat? You know? Like, oh, man. Yeah. It's it's that good, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, it's just unreal. So, That's a good and problem even, to even, have. So. Yeah. Even the geese, man. Even the geese. We were like, okay, well, maybe it's just the ducks. Maybe it's just the pintail. Maybe it's just the mallards. Maybe it's just the wood ducks. Like, we're just like, no, every duck. We're like, okay, well, divers can't taste good, of course. Well, guess what? They do it. You know, it's like um so it, yeah man it's just been uh it's been great so we, we uh any we've realized is any way that you like preparing a steak um prepare your duck breast that way uh you know make it make a chimichurri sauce you know it's yeah. very very easy to make um get make like a garlic mashed potato uh you know take some olive oil sear your garlic and uh and then put that into a nice mashed potato with some you know good uh cream and some good organic butter Stir, stir that around, make a nice pile of mashed potato, garlic mashed potatoes, uh, sear your duck breast with the salt and pepper, slice it and lay it on top of that mashed potato and then put a little chimichurri sauce on that and serve that to your wife. Forget about it. Yeah. I'll do that this next weekend. Uh, diver ducks, just salt, pepper, mm-hmm. and seared. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's, it's with, with, any, with any duck, man, I'm telling you, if you, if you overcook it, it's it's not going to be the best thing you've ever had, and we we've we've tried that, you know. So I understand where, where that comes comes into like, oh, that was gamey, um, but you just got to understand the meat, you know. It's just uh, it's it's got a lot of iron in it, and the reason why I focus on that on that term iron is because my my wife has this uh, this. Uh, Disease called Hashimoto's. Uh, it's an autoimmune disease. Uh, it's you know related to uh, hypothyroidism and stuff. Okay. So you know, she one of the things that uh, we've realized through the study of it is that you know a lot of her feeling is is balanced through what she's eating. Um, and one of the things that that she needs is uh, iron. So there's a there's a, a in, in the studies that we do, the doctors we talk to to try to make, you know, because dude, this this uh, these autoimmune diseases, dude, they they suck, man. Like you, you would look at a person that has uh, Hashimoto's or um, you know hypothyroidism, and, and you just kind of go, um, they, I don't see anything wrong with them, you know. But right. they, it's more of their their internal feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, and how much that hinges on diet is incredible. Um, so one of the main things that she needs is a high iron diet. Uh, and you find that in, uh, organ meat and you find that in, in wild duck. So 
the fact that wild duck it tastes good and is, i mean it's delicious and she loves it uh it's like you know it's just a game changer for her yeah she feels so feels so good with it and, and venison and stuff like that uh you know i gotta say man like people assume because we eat only wild game that like we eat kind of i guess you'd call it like the weird parts of the animals you know yeah. or or like oh like you know all different types of animals like raccoons and squirrels and stuff um and it's something that we've just recently been getting into um you know it's like there's a there's a lady that i know she uh she eats raccoons like crazy she loves them she's like she's like i'm telling you they are amazing and I, she's going to teach me how to properly cook them <laughs> so we're going to we're going to give it a try you know and see how it goes Jeez. i my wife said my wife said no way she'll never eat one <laughs> uh but we'll we'll see I might have to trick her into that one. And then, um, and then, uh, we, we just recently had squirrel, uh, and like a year ago. And I'm telling you what, man, I look at squirrels completely different now. I didn't realize how delicious those things were. It's they're crazy good. Um, so that's, that's another thing that we've been going after. But the thing is, is this Oregon meat, man, like it's for some reason, it's, it's a hurdle mentally from, for my family to get over, you know, Interesting. uh, but, uh, like the, the liver, um is something i know that is people just absolutely love so i'm trying to figure out a way to how to cook that properly so i got a buddy of mine this guy frank he just <clears throat> he tells me he's like look man I'll, i will come and skin out any animal you shoot if you just give me the liver he's like i, he's like, wow. I just love it do you think uh, there's so, do you think there's any um any part of this you know with your journey and you guys are 10 years in right now so um it, it makes you you know a little bit more uh, it's an easier transition now because you have to kind of train your your palate uh, to break the mold of you know what we've been for you know growing up in the last uh, you know fifteen twenty fifty years of how meat has been produced. You know, is there any truth to that? You think? Um, well, one thing that I've experienced, man, is like so we it's it's hard for me when people say, "What does it taste like?" You know, because they want they want you to associate it with something. I'm right. like, well, I'm probably not the best of that. Because I mean, dude, I mean, I haven't had a big steak in ten years. I haven't had a roast beef in that long. A chicken, and you know, it's like you know, tur- store-bought turkey. You know, like right. you know, all these things. It's hard for me to associate. Oh, it tastes like this. Um, so I'm like, you just gotta try it. But what what it is pretty rad is all these people in our community. We live in a tight knit community here, man, and they know that we're the wild game family. You know, so and I have. Uh, lots of cookouts and barbecues um that i've been so blessed by by uh a friend of mine the guy tyler stark at traeger i mean he's just like he's so stoked on what we're doing man and he blessed us with some cool grills and we're able to cook out for like 20 people at a time and it's all their first introduction to game meat and um so what's happened for me is instead of me saying oh it tastes like this or you know or something of the sort I, I just let them try it and right. they're like, I, you know, and they're like, I can't believe how good this is. And like, I never thought that wild hog would taste this way. It's just like, it's so cool to watch people work through that. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's so fun for me because I mean a lot of, and, and maybe it's the reason why I just, I, I'm so into cooking is because I'm so into hunting and I, I care so much about the animals. So for me, when I when I give someone wild game for the first time, I put a lot of care into it because I want to. I want their experience to be good. Because most of right. the time, I hear from people, "Oh, when I was a kid, my uncle shot a deer, and I'll never eat deer again." Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of that comes down to. Um, I have this this friend of mine. He's uh, he's 
older than me. He's uh, he's he used to be our local town butcher. Uh, he um, he's uh, he has MS right now, so he's <clears throat> confined to a wheelchair most of the time. But I mean, as far as his mind, he's sharp. And as far as like what you know, his, his knowledge in hunting and meat, dude. I mean, the guy has just been just a deep well of knowledge for me. And something that he's helped me with is the preparation and how important it is. Because he used to he used to be work um, as a butcher uh, in a slaughterhouse. He's like, you know, part everything that they do with the meat, as far as how much it's worth, is all about the care that's taken for it. So he's helped me transition his knowledge of all that meat into, and also with his knowledge of venison, because he lived in Minnesota and hunted up there all the time. But yeah, Buck Mahoney, amazing, amazing man. So he would he's shown me how to uh, help. Uh, prepare the meat so that the table fare is as good as it can be. And that all comes down to how well you take care of that deer, that hog, that turkey, that duck, or the pheasant, whatever you're shooting, right after you shoot it, how do you take care of it? That's going to equate how it tastes for the people who are going to cook it uh, when you cook for, uh, for all those people and how they uh, enjoy it, for sure. So, uh, you know, what's your, what's your advice on, you know, ducks and geese? Um, you know, I, I've noticed a lot of times with, uh, with those, like when people shoot them, they just kind of let them hang out for a while. Um, you know, they just kind of stack them up <laughs> you know, and just let, you know, maybe go back to the lodge and they're kind of just hanging out and they go inside and have a drink. Dude, it's important, man. When, after you, after you harvest any animal, um, as soon as you can to, to get that meat in, uh, you know, out and cooled down. Right. Um, you know, cause the decay process happens immediately when that heart start, stops beating. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, so you have to understand that. And if you don't, you know, uh, and, and I understand too, when you're hunting in, in the wintertime and you, you're shooting geese, I mean, obviously, or in Saskatchewan early season, you know, you're not caring too much about the warmth. Uh, but I'm, if you're in the Southeast in Florida, let me tell you something, dude, you got to get them guts out quick. Yeah, um, sure. You, know, you quick, you know, that's, that's yeah. what, uh, have That's you done any? Um, have you done any hanging with, um, you know, uh, fowl? I, I read an article about how you know this guy he lets his ducks hang for you know three or four days, uh, you know, in cool temperatures to kind of uh, age. And they say you know it used to be pretty common. And I so I actually have a limit of teal right now that um, are in my you know forty five degree garage right now that are hanging mm-hmm. on the strap. Um, this is my first time ever trying. And have you done anything with that? And are they plucked and gutted, or are they just hanging? No, there? he said you just hang them uh, in 45-degree weather, um, or in 45 degrees. So I've been, I've got, I'm a, I, I also do home brewing. So I've got mm-hmm. my um, my thermometer out there right now that's monitoring, and it has not gone, you know, below 40, and it hasn't gone above 47 degrees. So yeah. I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little leery of it, but I'll, um, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. Well, people. Well, people call it, um, and I learned this from from Bug Mahoney. But people call it um, aging, but yeah. they should just call it, they should just call it decaying, right. because you're, you know, there is a rigor mortis stage that happens, and and it's you know, my knowledge with waterfowl is isn't as much as my knowledge with uh, what I've learned in the past ten years with um, larger mammals and stuff, you know. But mm-hmm. um, you know. You just got to remember that. So the reason, you know, this rigor mortis happens the first like, day, but, you know, it, it'll it'll relax. But then at that point, you're getting a breakdown. And when people say, oh, you know, I let my deer age, um, you know, for two weeks and it becomes more tender, more flavorful, um, there is more flavor in that. Um, 
but I particularly enjoy the fresh flavor. Okay. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't think you need to try to add flavor into venison, especially if their diet is good. I mean, you you kidding? You get one of these, these deer from Kansas that are on these farms and just eating, the, you know, eating the foraging and then also getting like supplement food from the, you know, the beans and you know, just the corn that they're going after that's growing. I mean, you, you're, you're getting some incredible flavored uh, meat with venison. Um, right. I don't, you know, there's, it, and plus the aging process, man, it's, it's got to be done right, which I'm not saying people can't do it right on their own in the garage and stuff. Uh, it's just, I think it's a little more intricate than just letting something hang in a, uh, in, in an open area. Right. Uh, um, especially when you, when you're talking about the way that guys do it in, in the slaughterhouses that are trying to produce this high quality meat that should be charged that much. Cause there's a lot of care put into it. So I don't know for me, man, uh, I, I used to, uh, do brines a lot. I used to try to figure out ways to pull the blood out of things. Uh, uh-huh. I, you know, cause there's all these things that people used to tell me, uh, the further I'm getting down this road, the further I'm, re- the more I'm realizing, man, these things are basically almost ready to be cooked you know, pretty close to the harvest time. But I do let, um, uh, my deer hang a day, uh, maybe two days just to kind of read the meat, let the meat relax a little bit. Um, and then it's a lot easier to, 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 if you're going to bone out the meat, um, you know, but, uh, as far as the waterfowl, man, I don't know. I don't know about that, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, rep- I'll report back and let you know. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. But to be quite honest with you, man, I know I'd try it with you. <laughs> right. Have a little bit of, a little bit of your home brew and try some of that decaying duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I shot those on Sunday and I'm, I'm pulling them in tonight to breast them out. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, yeah. And I, I would love to talk with you, you know, even on, you know, when you're about to do that, we'll kind of, I'll kind of share some more with you as I do it. But, um, one thing that I used to do a lot with the hogs and I, and I misguided a lot of people on this a few years back, I would take it and I would put the hog right into a brine to kind of like try to make it look more like pork, you know, pull the blood out and sure. stuff and put it in an ice brine. And, um, you know, my buddy bug was just like, dude, no, man, you, you know, that water, immediately creates bacteria no matter the temperature you have that ice at so he's like you know you want to keep this meat dry um so that's you know and that's that's what i've been doing now it's just you know taking gut it as soon as possible you know you want to get that you want to get that meat out uh or, or sorry the, the organs out um as soon as possible right it's, it's such an important thing as far as the quality of the meat um because you don't want that heat to radiate it in throughout the meat it's just not good yeah um, and then another thing that, that he's taught me as well is like when you're going to cook something, if you have a big roast, if you have something, you know, that was been in the freezer, uh, you know, you want to make sure two things, like before you put it in the freezer, you don't want to freeze it too fast. You know, you want to take like, um, especially the deer up North. I mean, down here in Florida, we have smaller deer, but you know, you guys up there, I mean, you're, you're, deer, you're they're freaking they're hosses. So, you know, you take, take a big hand that still has a bone in it. You want to make sure that that gets down, you know, to a, to a very gradual, uh, low temperature. If you take it from the field and you freeze it right away, it'll actually um, inside it won't it won't actually completely freeze. It'll create its own little um, little uh, incubation inside where the it, the meat will rot. And um, even though you put it in the freezer, so you want to get that that ham down slowly to to a temperature of about you know keep it in, in like how you have you said in your garage is like 45 degrees yeah let it slowly come down 
and let it hang there for a little bit and then package it. I've never, it. Um, I've never heard that. That's yeah. Sometimes you'll, you'll eat meat and um, it'll be foul. You're like, Oh man, what the, you know, yeah. it's just like, what is that? You know, but it, it's it basically the meat got that too much bacteria inside near the bone that never froze deeply. Jeez. Um, and uh, sometimes people do the same thing too. If they take it out of the freezer and they don't let it get to room temperature, they just, they take it out and then they, they, they say they defrost it in the fridge. They pull it out of the fridge and they put it right in a smoker or something. Yeah. Uh, you got you gotta let the whole meat kind of just like relax and get to room temperature because you'll do the same thing on the opposite side. Um, you know, and it'll, it'll create a bad tasting flavor as well. It makes sense. So, okay. Huntitarian. Yes. What's that about? Yeah. um, You know, it's, it's just, it's turned into my everyday job along with being a dad and being a husband and being a photographer. It's just every day of my life. um, I live this now and it stemmed from um, when I first came back to Florida uh, you know, and I would start hunting my, my buddy, Matt Castellas was, dude, I, you know, I love this guy. He's just like, you know, my best friends, dude. We, we did so much together in the surf industry, traveling, experienced so much in life together. And then, you know, so it's, it, when I would go hunting, he's like, you know, checking in on me. He's like, Hey, what are you doing, man? I'm like, Oh, I just got out of the woods. He's like, doing what? And I'm like hunting. He's like, what are you hunting? I'm like hogs. He's like, that sounds pretty cool. And, you know, so he's like, kind of calmly, yeah. So the next time we go, you know, we start going together and we started learning together. And, um, you know, he lives up in Jacksonville. He's like an hour away from me, but he's from Flagler where, where I live now. So he knows, he knows all the ins and outs of all the same places I know and, or I've been trying to find to go hunting and, and we just had so much fun together. Uh, and then I, we would throw barbecues and, uh, I was cooking one day and one of the people we invited say, said to me, okay, like you're like a vegetarian, but you only uh, eat the meat that you hunt. So what are you? And as a joke, I said, I'm a hunitarian. And, um, you know, like typical around your friends, some things start, start to stick. Right. So everyone would call me that. And then my buddy Matt's like, look, man, we need to document some things and just, you know, do something with it. You know, he's like, let's, you know, let's see what happens. So um, I said, okay. So, you know, we started documenting what we were doing and taking some friends out and documenting that. And, uh, you know, I got to give credit, credit to Matt. He's like, look, man, he's like, you're a professional photographer. He's like, our, our closest friends are photographers. There's no reason why we should be sharing anything with an iPhone, uh, anything with a cell phone at all. He's like, let's just make sure that we bring cameras out and we document it professionally and, and just share it and try to motivate people. And I'm like, yeah, fully. So that's what we started doing, man. Just, you know, documenting and sharing professional imagery online. And, uh, and then it just started catching on a little bit, you know, and you know, it's funny, like once something starts like being positive and people are excited about it and they want to see how they get involved and, um, and things start gr- growing immediately. People are like, how are you, gonna, how are you going to make money through this? <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, I have no idea. And no one likes hearing that answer. You know, right. I'm just like, man, man, we're just doing it and we're just you know, sharing it. And, and when I started just, you know, when you start listening to people and trying to like please them with like, this is how I'm going to make money at this. I started realizing I started losing the passion for it. So, you know, I just got to a point. I was like, look, I am going to just trust that God asked me where my food comes from, that I've been obedient, that I've just been, you know, doing this for my family, doing it for my friends, doing it for my community, doing it for God, like just and and whatever he wants from it, it it'll happen. You know, and once I kind of like release that that I've been seeing so many cool things happen with Hunitarian, bro. It's just been incredible. The amount of people that are reaching out 
um, that are excited to, you know, even though we don't have these thousands of followers, you know, we just we have under 2000 followers. It's awesome. You know, I love it. And it's like all, all these people that are following us are just passionate about the outdoors. They're passionate about the animals they pursue there. They want to learn more about how ways to cook things properly. Uh, you know, they, they, they're excited about trying it the first time that I get so many people coming up to me going, man, I always wanted to go hunting. How do I do it? I'm like, come on. You know, um, you know, I got this guy right now that I'm teaching him how to, how to hunt and he's coming out with me every day this last week. And we, he's been helping me, you know, look for, I've been showing him how to find game, uh, how to find sign, you know, how to set things up, how to hunt the wind, what animals pursue. It's like how to cook things. We've been cooking together. Dude, he's so fulfilled. He's just like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. Is, and he's like, you know, it's so fun, man. Where can we find more Huntitarian stuff? Oh, dude. I mean, it's it's just, you know, how can you not be stoked about Instagram sometimes? It's like, of course, there's a pit in that thing you can get stuck in. Sure. But I mean, like, right now, I mean, I've been getting so much, like, contact with people through private messaging on Instagram. It's been awesome. Um, you know, and uh, and. So that that's been great. So Instagram's one. We uh, we've been you know pushing more on the website uh, stories and and how to get involved. Uh, we just opened up uh, this this last uh, week the our first store. So we're starting to sell shirts and stuff, which is fun. So people are starting to wear them around the country, and you see you know, they're tagging us. I'm like, oh my goodness, dude, is this happening? Yeah, it's just uh, it is a blessing, man. And to be able to do it with your friends, your closest buddies, and then also. Like people like, I mean, two years ago, three years ago, I didn't know Chase and Megan. Right now, we're like best friends. I mean, I know them through Hunitarian. It's, we can, we talk all the time, and they just they get so excited. They text me like, "How should I cook this?" And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I don't know. Let me ask somebody else." And I ask Chris, I'm like, "Dude, what should they do with this?" And, you know, it's just so much fun, man. Everyone's just it's like a network, you know, of yeah. friends. And that's that's kind of how I've been titling it recently. It's just you know we're. We're, we're just a team of friends that passionately love the outdoors and want to share it with people. And I think it's just as simple as that. Um, you know, it's like whether or not it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what the full plan of it is. Um, but all I know is that it's, it's our life. It's, it's the truth. It's, you know, what you see is what we're doing. We're, when we're just, we're in love with it. Um, so, uh, that's, that's what Hunitarian is right now. Like I, I'm excited to, answer that question again in five years and see what what uh, god has planned for it yeah i you know and i'm i'm pretty excited about you know i've been watching some of the stuff that you guys do on instagram and uh like it's you guys have definitely been motivating me to really step up my uh uh not my culinary game but definitely like okay where does my meat come from and i've been you know preaching that for a long time it's just that um it's it's kind of like uh you know one of those things where you know, how it's making that jump, like going full in or, you know, yeah. at least going half in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I got, and I gotta be honest, man, like, um, I don't feel that only eating wild game only makes you a hunitarian. I don't believe that. That's what God's put on my heart to, to do, to, to get this started. Um, but I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't feel like that's the answer, you know? Um, I, it's just what I'm doing, you know, right. um, I, I, I feel like, you know, the answer is just asking yourself that same question. It's like, where does this come from? And when, when you when you think about that, you're like, wow, like the coolest answer for that for me is where else in the things that we eat, even like lettuce and tomatoes, like where else in the world can you get something yourself from the outdoors? 
take it yourself and butcher it yourself and then take it and cook it yourself for your family. Right. See, that's, that's, just, that's just one set of hands, the entire process. I mean, I couldn't imagine the amount of hands and exchanges how that happens for, you know, just poultry or, beef, oh, yeah. uh, you know, or even just vegetables even. I mean, dude, it's just, it's incredible. Hunting is an incredible opportunity for people to connect more with um, their their care about what goes into their bodies for the people that they love. And it couldn't be more misunderstood. And I feel like it's like a goal in my life right now to just breathe life into hunting for for people to just stop the stop misunderstanding it, stop associating it with murdering, and start associating it with people that care about where their food comes from and they care about the animals they pursue, because that's the truth. Well, I always ask um, this question um, to pretty much every guest: You only get to go hunting one more time. Uh, where are you going? Uh, what are you hunting? Uh, what are the weather conditions like? And who's with you? Just kind of paint a picture. You know, um, I just kind of had that experience, so it's kind of funny. It's kind of easy for me to answer. Uh, every, every Thanksgiving, I um, I set a tradition to hunt with my with my kids. Um, so every every Thanksgiving morning, what we do is we get up super early, get the kids bundled up, and I get them out to uh, a, either a tree stand with me or uh, take them out to a blind, and um, we have yet. The kids are moving, they're yeah. talking, you know, they're, you know, we're having fun. And, you know, it's like, man, I'm just, I love, dude, I love people, man. I love being with my family. I love that so much. And, you know, the, if, I, if I had to do it one more time, it would just be another Thanksgiving morning just with my kids. and um, Probably not shooting anything, but just, um, you know, telling, that, telling them to, whisper and be quiet and just laugh at them when they laugh and they can't do it. You know, it's just it's my favorite. Uh, yeah, man. And just, uh, I just want to say this, man, if anyone's listening and, um, if they can just reach out to reach out to me on uh, either the website on hunitarian.com or, or find us on Instagram and private message me, uh, at, at hunitarian, just, just, you know, just reference this podcast, you know, and, I would love to just bless them with, you know, some, you know, shirt and maybe the possibility of coming hog hunting with me out here in Florida. You know, we're, we're always available for more people to uh, come experience it with us. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Well, AJ, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate it very much and looking forward to, uh, you know, watching what you guys are going to be doing and, you know, uh, getting a little bit closer with Hunitarian. Amen, bro. Well, let's do it. All right, man. I want to give a huge shout out, um, like we always do during this time, um, to our uh, partners. Um, so we got uh, Hunt Hickory Creek, which if you're not familiar with Hunt Hickory Creek, that's Chase and Cody and Scotty and Megan. They're all in the group, and uh, these are a good group of people. Um, I talked to at least one of them, mostly Chase, um, at least two or three times a week. Um whether it's deer hunting or talking about birds or, or just, uh, you know, rubbing in the uh, fantasy football smack talk and, and all that stuff. Anyways, hey, don't try, you don't put your money in something that you can't first validate or, like, get to know or, you know, something like that. You can get in there. You can literally see what uh, you're going to be getting out there in the blind uh, with, you know, these guys and these guides. So... Go check them out. Good people. Even uh, even better uh, uh, be 
people to go hunt with. So, uh, we've also got Dive Bomb Industries, and Dive Bomb Industries, um, you know, they've been they did a lot of good work for us and uh, put a lot of our listeners into um, some really affordable spreads. And I am just pumped to um, get out and start targeting some some big ducks with uh, with my spread that we're all set up with over here and. Uh, just really, you know, excited to put the, the 2D, um, you know, ideology um, to the to the test. So, all right. We've also got Toe Tags LLC. Uh, you, you guys heard Ryan's story. And if you haven't heard Ryan's story, go check it out. Um, episode 23. Uh, but anyways, just check out, go look for the uh, Toe Tags LLC story. Um, you know, we... Whether or not you want to argue that it is actually a you know regulation or an enforceable law or anything, I mean the law is the law, and I don't I'm not going to put myself uh, in a position uh, at least anymore uh, to where I can be you know whether or not I get a ticket is at the discretion of the you know investigating officer or or um, you know however things are going that day so. Um, just for a couple cents a day, uh, or hunt, I should say, you can be fully taken care of. You already spent all the money on the gas and stuff. So go tag your birds and make sure you're not throwing them in a big old pile. And, uh, yeah, go ahead and stay legal with Toe Tags LLC. We've also got Gypsum Creek Retrievers. Evan over there, um, in Gypsum with a creek running, you know, through the back of his yard, um, is running a awesome little uh kennel uh and i got to go out and i got to go hunt with his flagship dog and um got to see the way that he interacts with um that dog and just the way he talks about you know his business and his dogs and uh the people dog he's training like it's it's uh, it's, it's really humbling to see a guy who's like so ate up with it and uh is just in it and he's just doing it out of passion and decided to make his passion something that can put, you know, um, dinner on the table. It's a heck of a, heck of a deal. Uh, we've also got Athlon Optics. Um, Athlon Optics, go check these guys out. Um, they have some of the finest shooting scopes uh, on the market. And their binoculars are bang up. Um, literally, they are... The same quality as something that you'd pay two or three times the price of, and they're just a solid um, feeling binocular, and uh, it's it's nice. You know, I'm not going to do any direct comparisons out there, but uh, I've held a lot of binoculars in my time, and I'm very satisfied with these uh, with these ones. So go check them out at Athlon Optics. I've got the the Midas ten by forty two. Uh, and it is suiting my needs perfectly out here um, in Kansas. All right. Um, next, we've got um, freelance hunt stats. Uh, I've I've always logged and tracked all the birds that we've harvested and whatnot, but it wasn't until Elliot showed me his freelance hunt stats uh, at freelancehuntstats.com that it's not just a journal anymore. Now it's a database. Now I can go through and I can filter um, all the stuff that I want to know, uh, you know, windy days, cloudy days, 
Taser shot all blue wing teal. Like things, things of that nature, and um, even by location. And it's super affordable. You know, uh, just don't buy one monster this month or one Starbucks coffee, and you've got yourself um, what you need to keep track. Plus, super helpful when you go to fill out those hit permits. So, all right. Uh, we've also got Duck Nuts. Uh, that's D-U-K-N-U-T-Z. Um, and if you haven't seen the videos or pictures of me uh, utilizing these things yet, uh, I f- freaking hate um, dealing with Texas rigs. And I take out a lot of new hunters. And I always end up, I'm always sitting there untangling stuff or unwrapping keels. And uh, instead, with these duck nuts, you just throw them on there and... All you got to do is literally you just stretch out the line or you can slide the, the weight um, all the way towards the decoy or down and you just throw these things in a bag. It's awesome. Hey, they even came out with a, uh, a carrying. Uh, it always seems that my wife is always walking in whenever I'm doing the Duck Nuts uh, commercial because she's just looking at me because she thinks it's hilarious. Uh, but they just came out with a bag and it's called the Nut Sack. And uh, it is... It's pretty cool. You can strap your shotgun to it. Um, they've also got hats, um, too. And uh, for my boy Wilson listening out there, uh, Hunter over at uh, Duck Nuts, he made a hat just for you, buddy, um, and all you other coot shooters out there. So, um, but, yeah. So good stuff. Go check them out. Uh, just a really great product. Uh, we've also got the Duck Tech mobile app. And the Duck Tech mobile app is an app that's designed to help you get better at calling ducks. Um, it literally, it's got Barney Califf on there, a uh, two or three time uh, world duck calling champion. And he does the, the call, tells you what it's for, why to do it, when to do it. And then you can actually go in and press record, record yourself, and then you can hear it side by side so you can see how you want to tweak it up. Pretty cool concept. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you're just dealing with like a DVD or, or some other, you know, like, here's the sounds. Now make this sound. And that's not this right here. This is something that you can do on your commute. So pretty sweet. All right. Next we've got, um, we got Gunner Kennels. And uh, Gunner Kennels, if you have never laid your hands on a Gunner Kennel, uh Probably some of the finest uh, craftsmanship or over example of overbuilding um, something, and that's perfect. That's fine with me. You know, my wife she loves those things because um, it keeps the babies safe, uh, the, the fur babies. And at the end of the day, you're kind of charged with the responsibility of uh, that animal's life. And you know, I wear my seatbelt. I don't text and drive. Um, why am I going to like just throw my dog in the back of the back of the truck to, you know, be in uh, jeopardy if something were to happen? Uh, and then, uh, newest partner, uh, that I want, that I'm super excited to get you guys into is HTR Innovations. That's H, uh, T, R, like Hunter, uh, Innovations. And they've got the coolest little thing. Um, 
it's a stand that you can put out in the marsh that holds your gun, um, holds my recording equipment, box of shells, all this other stuff. Check it out on the Instagram uh, page. Uh, they've also got an A-frame blind uh, that they come out with that is super simple to set up. Um, just like stupid simple. And then they've got, uh, for you guys that absolutely hate layout blinds, they've got a layout blind insert. And makes that thing just about as comfy as the living room couch. So go check them out. Uh, and then last but not least, we've got SRB field rests. So you hiked into this muddy field, set out all your decoys, had your bag ready to go with your gun in it, and then you take your gun out and you just set it in the mud, or you, you know, you're constantly making sure that you, you know, don't fumble this thing around. These two little stakes from SRB Field Rest, stick them there, lay your gun down on them. You didn't come this far to like jam your your gun up with a little bit of mud because you got excited about some some geese uh, in your face. So. That was really dramatic. I have a little bit of a stuffy nose, it sounds like. but All right. We just want to let you guys know, these companies are the bee's knees. Um, these are cool people, great people. I, like, I'm not just throwing them on here so that I can take up your time and you know make money or whatever it is. I believe in these products. I believe in these people. And uh, I'm a huge fan of somebody turning their passion into their everyday job so that they can try to escape some sort of um, nine-to-five where somebody else is their boss. Uh, And I'm a huge, huge fan of that. Um, You know, trying to do that myself. So, yep. You know, think twice before you buy uh, uh, something, um, you know, similar to these. And, you know, they, they help bring you this show. And so if you like this show, you like it to be around, <coughs> you know, um, check these people out. So, all right, everybody, safe hunting. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on itunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it and we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content and if you get in on that facebook group you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week
Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Go out there and the fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.